Age to Practice, applying educational reading in the classroom. Join in the conversation using hashtag PagePracticePodcast. From Page to Practice is a podcast focusing on the application of educational reading in the classroom. Each episode features one book or article, my reflections and the thoughts of my guests on its use and impact in the classroom. Some episodes may also feature an introduction from the author. Hi, and welcome to the first full episode of From Page to Practice, the podcast which takes educational reading and discusses how to apply it in the classroom. In this episode, we first hear from Jo about her reflections on the book and what inspired her to write it. We'll then hear from another teacher who has read the book and his thoughts on it, and I'll discuss what I've taken away. You're listening to From Page to Practice. Join the conversation on Twitter using hashtag PagePracticePodcast. When I found out that Jo had written Simplicity Rules, I was reminded of her research ed talk that I attended at the National Conference back in 2016 and how I'd written a blog post the following day reflecting on how those thoughts had stayed with me. In the blog, I wrote about making sure that my lessons had less bells and whistles and making sure it was just simple and exactly what was needed to teach the students what they needed to learn. I ended the blog with the line, Simplicity is the aim, let's see where it takes us. Well, three years later, I'm really pleased to see that Joe has published this book and that more people are getting to experience the inspiration that I felt on the day that I heard her at Research Ed. Looking back at that blog post now, I'm actually really encouraged to see how far things have moved on. I mentioned that I thought there were certain elements of Joe's session that could only really be applied at Michaela and that I didn't think would work in certain schools. I even specifically mentioned marking and feedback policies and I'm really pleased to be able to say that I am using whole class feedback now and it is actively encouraged in my school. To quote directly from that blog post, I said, one point that she made that I thought was really important is that if there's one person that works 12, 14 hour days and teaches whizzy, jazzy lessons, then students start to compare teachers and teachers feel pressured. Not only that, but it is completely unsustainable for the teacher. Teachers that want to work these hours could, she suggested, spend the time working on something that will help to reduce workload for everyone, share the load and benefit from it themselves in the future when they can't sustain those hours any longer this point feels just as relevant for me now as it did three years ago when I wrote it. Before I talk any more about the book or we hear what other teachers have to say, I asked Jo if she wouldn't mind recording something just to let us know her inspiration for writing the book and a little bit more about it to whet your appetite. You're listening to From Page to Practice. Join the conversation on Twitter using hashtag PagePracticePodcast. I'm Jo Facer, the principal of Arkstone Academy, which is a new school opening in Acton in 2020, and I'm the author of Simplicity Rules. So I wrote the book because my teacher training seemed to be aimed at complicating what was happening in the classroom as much as possible. I was told hundreds of different activities, thousands of different ways of teaching them, and I tried them all. And frankly, it wasn't very successful. So I felt really 
really challenged by workload. I considered leaving the profession. I was so tired all the time. And the children I taught didn't seem to be doing very well, given how much effort I was putting in to these lessons I was making. And for me, there was a a breakthrough when I moved to a different school and everyone told me, you've got to go and see this particular teacher teach. You've got to go and see him teach. He's amazing. And I went to his classroom and he just had a copy of the poem in his hand and so did all the children in his classroom and they were just talking about the poem and he was asking them questions and they were annotating and this was amazing because this was a very very challenging group of children so he'd taken this intervention group to some really naughty children and they were just perfectly behaved really really focused and they, they were just getting a lot done and it, it, was a real, it was a real moment of clarity for me that there was a different way of doing it. In fact, it really reminded me of how I had been taught. And I, remem- I remembered then how effective that had been for me. And I suppose I started to think if that was really, if that worked for me, why not see if it works for these children I now teach? I also saw a number of friends and colleagues leave the profession uh, citing workload. And it made me think there's got to be an easier way to do this. And and over the years, I've come to believe that we can simplify what we do and actually improve children's experiences and outcomes as well as, you know, our own well-being as teachers. So the book is aimed at teachers, all teachers, any teachers. There's a particular, I, I guess, secondary focus because all my experiences in secondary and all the examples, the specific examples in the book are from my secondary colleagues. So I suppose there is that um, slight bias there. There's a few bits in there that are aimed more at leaders. So, for example, in my chapter about behaviour, I talk about the kind of system I would want to see whole school in terms of behaviour. Um, and I've had a few comments that new teachers have found it particularly useful. I hope that the key takeaway from this book is to do less, to do less things uh, in lessons and focus instead on the content you're teaching and the children. So as a teacher, I want us to think, what are the key things I want children to understand or learn? What are the children, the particular children that I teach going to struggle with and how can I mitigate those struggles? How will I ensure that everyone in the room has learned what I want them to learn? Um, So if I think about lessons from the book that I apply in my own teaching every day, I, I stopped using PowerPoints about four years ago and my life is so much better. You know, like the blinds are always up in my classroom. It is a light and happy place to be rather than sort of shrouded in darkness as it was in in my early career. Uh, And for me, getting rid of PowerPoint made me focus on what I was teaching. So I used to make these 45 slide monstrosities and I would just not have time to, you know, read the actual chapter in the book before I taught it. And then when I was teaching the lesson, I didn't want to go off piste or stop or go back because to skip a slide was like admitting that all that planning time was wasted time. Instead, now I make booklets like I describe in the book and I find they're much easier to share amongst colleagues. I can pick someone else's booklet up and I can teach it. Um, I mean, in my school last year, the science department made these incredible booklets, some examples of which you find in the book. And when I had to cover a lesson in science, it was a dream because I just I just had the lesson in front of me and I taught it. And what I would do, I'm, I'm not a scientist and I'm, I'm frankly terrible at science. I would sort of write down the kind of questions and confusions that the children had um, in the booklet and 
very much hoped that their teacher would clarify that for them the following lesson. You're listening to From Page to Practice. Join the conversation on Twitter using hashtag PagePracticePodcast. I can really relate to many of the pressures that Joe mentioned. Things like lessons being really complicated and needing lots of activities and feeling the pressure um, to do this. I can totally see how many teachers will have considered leaving for these reasons. And it's unfortunate to say some have. When we've got such teacher retention issues, books like Joe's are really, really important. Her key message of doing less things and focusing on the content that you want students to learn is just something we should be doing from day one. Next up, we're going to hear the reflections of at Abdul Teaches on Twitter. Unfortunately, Abdul wasn't able to record for me, so the voice you're about to hear is not his. I've been following Joe's brilliant blog since she was a teacher at Michaela, so when I had discovered she had written a book, I jumped at the chance to read all her ideas condensed in one place. It's a short, punchy little book, just 120 pages. I love its brevity. Joe summarises and explains key ideas in detail, and I can honestly say there isn't a wasted paragraph in the book. It tells you what the experts say, but Joe then provides her own nuanced understanding. For example, she talks with Bill Rogers, a highly regarded expert on classroom behaviour, but then convincingly, in just six lines, rejects some of his key strategies, i.e. take-up time means letting students ignore your instructions, de-escalation means ignoring worsening behaviours, and ignoring secondary behaviours, such as tutting and eye-rolling, is a bad idea. They are worse than the primary behaviour. In just six lines, the respect I had for the Rogers style of behaviour management was crushed. I no longer follow it. It's a really short reminder of everything you need to do to be an effective teacher, covering everything from behaviour management to planning lessons, lesson structure, assessment and feedback. It's great for NQTs and should be in any welcome pack they receive, and great for school leaders wishing to reduce teacher workload, increase student outcomes and transform their school for the better. You're listening to From Page to Practice. Join the conversation on Twitter using hashtag PagePracticePodcast. Chapter 4. Stop printing worksheets every day and stop making complex PowerPoints for every lesson. Make structured booklets instead, one for every half term, and use them. You will save so much time as you won't be wasting your time printing at the photocopier every morning. And cover lessons will be so much easier to plan. Just carry on and do the next three pages from the booklet. The three sample booklet lessons at the end of the chapter are great exemplars for making your own booklet lessons. Chapter 5. Make a knowledge organiser containing the key knowledge for every unit and test students on it until it has been memorised. Knowledge organisers are a great way to ensure students are committing the right things to memory and will quickly show any new teachers everything the students should know off the top of their head. Again, the three sample knowledge organisers at the end of the chapter are great exemplars for making your own. Chapter 10. Scrap written marking and use whole class feedback instead. It's a more sensible and much faster way to provide effective feedback to students. Joe's whole class feedback method is, first read all their work, but mark nothing. 
Next, take notes on common spelling errors, topics to reteach, and who has done well. Finally, the next lesson, praise the students who did well, go over common spelling mistakes, and reteach the most misunderstood content. Whole class feedback has the potential to make teaching a more reasonable profession and won't require teachers to sacrifice themselves at the altar of marking. In short, if you read the book and implement the ideas, you will become a more effective teacher, you will increase your free time, and you will help your students achieve fantastic results. I love that Abdul mentions the length of this book. It really is one of the things that make it one of the most accessible reads for teachers, as well as being the most worthwhile. I think Abdul's right that it is a book that should be given to all NQTs, um, especially as the pressures of the NQT year where you feel you have to prove yourself, you have to be that great teacher that you thought you could be and you're out there uh, with all the, the real teachers because you're not a trainee anymore. Um, it would be really, really valuable for them to hear from someone who is now out there leading her own school about how it can be done in a sustainable way um, and that it's allowed. You don't have to work those long hours. There are things that you can do to make things better, not only for yourself, but for the students that you teach. One of Abdul's key takeaways was chapter four, all about booklets. He mentions how this should make making cover lessons a lot easier. Um, and I can see from Joe's great examples how this can work in a range of subjects. I've not quite worked out a way of making this feasible for language learning, but if anybody's got any ideas, it would be great to hear from you. Abdul also mentions chapter 10 of scrapping written marking and using whole class feedback as one of his main takeaways. I totally agree that this is one of the best chapters of the book. Whole class feedback is something I've been working on for a little while now. Originally, I was using a template that I adapted from one found on Twitter. And more recently, I'm using the feedback book uh, designed by the Positive Teacher Company, which I've really enjoyed using. In the future, I think I might look at returning to my own created MFL-specific version. But of course, the key points of all of these crib sheets are exactly the same. You're listening to From Page to Practice. Join the conversation on Twitter using hashtag PagePracticePodcast. So now's the part of the podcast where I talk about my key takeaways from this wonderful little book. We've already discussed whole class feedback, but I really think it's one of the most important takeaways from the book, as it's likely to have the biggest impact on teacher workload and hopefully maybe even retention too. I know it's an area that some teachers are yet to get their head around in terms of how to do it best and how to make it fit in with their school policies, but I'd highly recommend giving it a go. It'll take some trial and error to find exactly the method that suits you as well as the expectations of your school, but it'll be worth the effort in the long term. One of the things I really enjoyed about reading Simplicity Rules is the amount of references Joe makes to other great books, research and articles that support her ideas. I think this is really important for any book which dares to tell teachers exactly what they should or shouldn't be doing in their classroom. It's the reason Jo can be so confident in what she's saying, because she knows it works. And importantly, she knows not only that it works for her, but that it works for other people in other contexts. After reading Simplicity Rules, I've made one of my goals for the year to improve the ends of my lessons. I was encouraged by the chapter on the starts of lessons because I think I already do these okay, but the ends could definitely do with some polish. 
I've already done away with the let's see what you've learned plenary activity, keeping that check for the start of the next lesson where you can really see what's been remembered. Now I'm going to focus on making the end of the lesson less about a rush to pack away and more of an opportunity to keep practicing and keep questioning right till the students have left. So a huge thank you goes to both Joe and Abdul for their contributions to the podcast today. Also a recommendation from me that you go and get yourself a copy of Simplicity Rules, read it and pass it on. Maybe you know an NQT who's feeling the pressure or you reckon that a member of your SLT might find Joe's advice to leaders really rather useful. Please let me know your key takeaways once you've read it by tweeting me at bexn91 or using the hashtag pagepracticepodcast. I really hope you've enjoyed this first full episode of From Page to Practice. The next episode will focus on the latest issue of the Chartered College Impact Journal and I'll be joined by people who've contributed to the journal themselves and others that have read the articles and applied the thoughts to their teaching. Coming up in future episodes are Closing the Vocabulary Gap by Alex Quigley, the Making Every Lesson Count series, the Learning Rainforest by Tom Sherrington, and Teach Like Nobody's Watching by Mark Enser. If you've read any of these books or plan to soon, please get in touch via the website, which is learninglinguist.co.uk forward slash page practice podcast, or by tweeting me at bexn91 hashtag page practice podcast it would be really good to have more people involved and like we did for abdul today i'd be more than happy to record your segment for you if you're a little bit microphone shy so please don't let that stop you getting involved you've been listening to from page to practice don't forget to join in the conversation using hashtag page practice podcast alternatively to suggest a book or article or volunteer to contribute to an episode visit learninglinguist.co.uk forward slash page practice podcast thanks go to kevin mcleod of incomtech.com for use of the tracks cheery monday and fuzzball parade which are licensed under creative commons